0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: believe. Elliot, I feel like it's been eighty-four years since we've been here. It's it like has, that meme man. From the Titanic. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome the- back. <laughs> yeah, we were we were a little AFK, or or what's the other word you use? M- MIA. In we were MIA for July M-I-A and June. And a little bit in June, yeah, but we are back and with a vengeance and ready to get rocking and rolling. We got two more films today, two more films after that. We've been, we've been piling them up, Elliot. We are, we are, we're going to be, we're going to be hitting, we're going to be hitting, what is it? We're going into August. We're going to be hitting August with a Force of a Thousand Suns.
0: Yes. Force of a Thousand Suns. And then we'll be playing (laughs) Thousand Suns from
1: Linkin Park, you know, in the background for us. So (laughs) (laughs) just waiting for the end. Did in the end, did it really even matter though? I don't know, but I'm breaking the habit. So, oh my goodness! But it's good to be back. I mean, it's good to see you. They don't we, you know, we do this through Zoom, so we can see each other. They can't see us, but we can wave virtually to them, and they can hear our voices in that way. You know, hey, we're getting there. We're getting there exactly. But but it's cool to be back. I've missed I've missed doing this. You know, I was out of town. You were super busy. You know, Mm a lot of things in life going on right now for both of us. But we're back. But it's good to get back to watching some really great movies. Let's get down
0: to business. (laughs) business. So (laughs) today we're going to be talking about Wim Wenders, two great films, Wings of Desire and The American Friend. Now, these are two films by German director Wim Wenders, uh, probably in German it's pronounced Wim Wenders. And in both these films, he uses Bruno Gantz. The great actor, Bruno, the the late great actor, Bruno Gantz, and in both these films. And you have two very different roles for this particular actor. And also you get many different, like two different performances from Gantz, who's amazing as Jonathan in American Friend, and then as Daniel in Wings of Desire. Now, Wings of Desire has got this very surreal feel to it but also has a almost noir-ish kind of feel to it and then Mm -hmm. that kind of is a carry over from the American Friend which is definitely a neo-noir movie that came out of the 70s you know around that time 1977 we said yeah 1977 so 1977 and then 1987 for Wings of Desire and you really have Wenders really playing with visual poetry in both films, while cr- giving us some very interesting characters
1: in both films as well. What I find interesting is that Wings of Desire came out after American Friend, and it's... Uh, personally, I, I'm sure you, you might agree, but I feel like Wings of Desire is just so much more of a complex film. I feel like compared to... The American Friend. It's just so much more of a complex idea in Wings of Desire and like what what he's, you know, exploring as a as an idea, you know, for the whole film, talking about, you know, the afterlife and yeah, and humans and thoughts and angels and things like that. It's, you know, it's so much bigger than the scope of us as just human beings. And then the American Friend is more of like action-packed comedy type film. So it's cool to see that. He went from something so you know action-packed over the top and yeah to something that's really digs into your soul and your mind and makes you question a lot about yourself and about well again it it brings
0: up the question of humanity. I mean, boom! I knew I was I was was going to say it first that time. You were. (laughs) I was going to make you say it first. I mean, I I just you know you 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 set it up. I finish it off, man. So literally, (laughs) because. You In Wings of Desire, you have an angel. Basically, the premise, guys, is an angel decides, well, he falls in love with a, a trapeze artist from a circus and wants to become human. He's tired of the thousands of years that he's been watching humanity. And Wenders kind of portrays angels as like the guardian angels that look over us, sort of influence us through life and make us do certain things. Or can kind of push us sort of over the edge, so so mm-hmm. to say. I mean, I there's a scene where this guy's At about to end, yeah. uh basically commit suicide and the angel's trying to stop one of the angels is trying to stop him and he still does it. So the yep. fact it brings up the question of human free will. It's that balance of how much are they actually influencing our decisions and our decision making process but in essence it's really down to whoever the human is whoever the person is themselves and how happy or sad or how like over this life this particular life or this particular life existence plane that they're you know
1: just tired of living in you bring up a a great point there it made me think of the library scenes you know where Mm -hmm. they both spend their time a majority of time and for me you know a library is full of so much extensive knowledge that Nobody could probably ever obtain all that knowledge and everything, yeah. but it's also not just that. You also have all different cultures and religions and races there, and I think that's beautifully captured in the film. Oh, yeah. Because you have our two, our two, you know, angels that hang out there. That's like their main. They 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 spend a lot of time at the library throughout the throughout the film, and you're always hearing, you know, inside the thoughts of everybody that's there and everybody has like the you know the different thoughts that they won't say but they're thinking like exclusively "Ah." told through voiceover yeah yeah which is beautiful it's such a it really makes you you think about like there's so much that we on a daily basis, like even right now, while we're talking to each other, there are thoughts going on inside our head that we're not saying.
0: Yeah. And we're still thinking about other things because we are multitasking. We're complex organisms and we we have the thought process to think about multiple things simultaneously. But then there's also the eternal plane of existence mm-hmm. that... I think Wenders really captures in this film because Mm. the whole clash of all the different voiceovers that we hear throughout the film really adds to the surrealism and also the etherealism of the particular genre we're in for the film itself. And also, it kind of shows how Bruno Ganz's character, Damiel, and Otto Sanders' character, uh, Cassiel... are hearing everyone's thoughts and how pretty much yeah after a thousand years that could get really tiring yeah. you know and they just want the silence and I love that they kind of contrast this with Peter Falk's character mm-hmm. later on mm-hmm. where yeah. he actually it turns out he's actually a fallen angel well he's he or an angel that he decided to, he decided to be a human to become yeah. a human be, and yeah just And in essence, he's just playing himself, which is even
1: more brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Wenders was probably just like, Peter, just just play you. Just do your thing. Just Just, play Columbo. Just go out there and and be you. Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, (laughs) and the thing is, though, he loses the connection with the other angels, but he still senses their presence, which I thought was
1: really interesting. Yeah, we're the scene where uh, he's, uh, he's at the at coffee the, shop. The coffee thing, yep. and he comes up, he's like, I know you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And he, and he he acts like, you know, I'd like to shake your hand if you were here. And and the the, the interplay between Gantz and Falk there is just that they, they you could totally tell they had like such fun playing opposite each other. Because you, you have two of the titans of acting and of classic Hollywood, too, because Gant, Bruno Gantz has been around forever. Most of you might know him from Downfall, the movie Downfall. He actually played Adolf Hitler, and he was terrifying as Adolf Hitler. And it's basically the downfall and, and um, initial suicide of Adolf Hitler in that film. But Gantz also then can play a completely opposite, more s- softer role in... He also did uh, this film called Vitus. It's about a kid who's like a child prodigy of piano and he's, mm-hmm. he learns concert piano, and Gantz plays his grandfather. And I see a lot of that softness kind of developing in his acting style in Wings of Desire, because mm-hmm. it's really, he doesn't say much in this film. There's not a lot of dialogue. It's all told through either voiceover, which is in multiple languages, German, French, yep, also English. And I love that It has that multilingual quality, because a lot of the times when you get a German film or a French film or an English film, they stay in one language. And Mm -hmm. the universality, universal language of everyone is really, they all have a connection to these angels, which I thought was interesting that Wenders kind of portrays the afterlife
1: or the angels that are looking over us as these universal guardian angels yeah and well i mean if you look at in religion in general uh especially in the christianity god is you know he hears everyone all prayers it doesn't exactly. matter you know where you're, where you're just from. different names <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. And, in essence but yeah one thing one thing i wanted to to point out actually made me think about kind of reminded me a little bit of of blade runner 2049 with the whole wanting that connection there is that constant strive as, you know as he falls in love with the trapeze the trap trapezist is that how you would say that and trapezist yep mm-hmm. trapezist uh, yeah, that's not a common word to say i feel <laughs> like but when he twister. falls in love with the trapezist he wants that physical connection not just for like you know the 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 sexual the physical but also like the emotional and intellectual and that's the same too. thing that's yeah that's the same thing that that's happening in blade runner 2049 with his uh whatchamacallit his ai Ah, joy
0: yes yeah
1: thank you and yeah like
0: it's interesting that you bring up blade runner because wenders i see a lot of influence of wenders in blade like the original blade runner and also blade runner 2049 in the fact that they portray germany it's right during it's right before actually like several years two years before the fall of the berlin wall so, mm-hmm. Germany was split in two, and you have this very almost dystopian city scape that is beautifully shot by Henry Alekin, the cinematographer, and who uses imagery as like basically movie poetry I mean it, it this really set Wenders and Henry Alekin into kind of the art house style for German cinema so really. When they are showing the city and also how they're showing and portraying Gans' character, Daniel, who's just literally just wants to be human. And the fact mm-hmm. that he wants to give his eternal life away and become mortal, it's interesting because it also has a very ancient Greek uh, archetype story to it because there have been stories from ancient Greece that literally the gods try to live among us. And it's just a carryover from that, which I thought was really interesting as well. Because yeah, I was like, yeah, oh my gosh, this is, I've, I've heard, we've heard this tale before the God's coming down
1: to live amongst the humans. And, and what I find interesting is it's kind of the opposite of, of a lot of religions, right? Like you're, you're seeking that eternal life. Yeah. We want to go up. Because, they want to come yeah, down. Be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this is you know, this is not our permanent home. So we're seeking that eternal life. and in this film, it's the opposite. The angels don't want eternal life because they want to be able to experience right what we experience every day. well, and, and I think
0: what Wenders is trying to say is, be grateful for what you have here on mm-hmm. this mortal plane of existence because life is fleeting, and you have no and, idea how long you're and here. you know, and you know you don't know how long you have on this earth. So the fact that, a angel would decide to give up eternity for a love and also yep. his mortality is just, it's beautiful. And I, I love that most of the film is shot in black and white. And then I was going to come this. I was waiting for you to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and then when, you know, he takes and, and casts off his immortality and to live amongst us, it turns basically the imagery mm-hmm. is all then in color so which i thought was really interesting
1: yeah and it also kind of brings up that whole thing of that it, it kind of goes back to the thing like where people were looked at you know black and white there is no there is no separation b- between people right we're right. all at the end of the day we're all humans right but then you add you add the color and you start to see the differences you know you the, the, he starts to see all the intricacies and unique things that make you know the woman that he falls in love with um, Ma- Marion, mm-hmm. what makes her so unique and beautiful? And then he gets, you know, like you said, he sees just all the colors and... It, the it, colors what of I, the what rainbow. I, yeah, what I, what I wrote <laughs> down is, just, you know, life colors his world.
0: Yeah, and and makes it more vibrant and less sterile because I, I love mm-hmm. the contrast of that because he's, in essence, Wenders is showing the world of the angel is very one-dimensional... sterile quality to it and it can get really depressing because after watch and it has that graininess to it Mm -hmm. like the fact that they shot this on film even adds more to that contrast between black and white and color to see the world in color and to be able to experience it especially when Gantz finally first becomes human and he's talking to just like that homeless guy on the the street and such and it's just little things in life that you take for granted and you're affected by all the people around you, basically. Yeah. And when he sees the blood on his mm-hmm. hand and then he's it's like, like, oh, this is uh, it's a new experience
1: for him because he's never seen actual blood. But there is a beauty to it as yeah, well, because that's what keeps that's what's pumping through our bodies at this very moment. That's keeping exactly. us alive. Exactly.
0: So and it's like, again, moments in time, it goes back to uh, Rucker Hauer's, you know, all these moments will be lost in 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 time. We are vessels for memory. You know, the fact that memory also comes into play in this film and ties yeah. in with Blade Runner. This is a, actually a great follow up to Blade Runner. So there's a reason why yeah. I picked these two films. Was, Elliot, you just know you're on it. You're yeah, on I'm it. on that's, this. That's you know? why
1: you picked the films.
0: <laughs> so the fact that it carries that archetype and theme of memory and time itself really adds to why Wings of Desire and Blade Runner are very similar I have a very similar feel to them I would say
1: you know what this film reminds me of Mm -hmm. uh there's a play a very well-known play called Our Town by Thornton Wilder Mm -hmm. have you have you ever have you ever heard it it. I've heard of it it? yeah so the premise of the uh, basically is there's a stage manager who goes and basically follows these two main characters throughout their whole life. Mm-hmm. And he's telling their story, you know, breaking the fourth wall, talking to the audience, that type of stuff. But our two angels here are basically the stage manager and, you know, yeah. following he doesn't ever get a, you know, romantic interest in, in the, uh, in our town, but he is basically doing the exact same thing. He's, he's listening and watching and observing and also telling Mm-hmm. What, what basically he's doing what all the voiceovers were doing in this film. Right. And I just found that a really, cause I, I, I got a, I got a chance to be a part of that show and be the stage manager. And like, so for me, when I was watching this film, I was like, this is just, this is just like Has the play. A lot
0: of elements. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is beautiful. It, it's play, absolutely it actually just,
0: kind of plays like a theater play in a, in a yeah. sense, because it takes away from The typical Hollywood style of you know blockbuster film. It's it's a very art house film, and they're trying things with the voiceover, the imagery that you're seeing. Also, handheld camera. the the handheld camera at times feels kind of very voyeuristic as well because it just adds to us believing that everyone's being watched, which is kind of in a sense sort of creepy, but then also it's kind of comforting too because it's yeah and I th- I thought it was really interesting that they didn't bring up any evilness of like hey you know angels and devils it was more yeah, just demons de- and, and, and demons yeah. and such I thought it was very like
1: cool that they just kept it angels and kept it more hopeful than yeah well I mean you could almost say the camera is is God because you right know, God sees everything exactly yeah, and the then, Supreme Being is just watching us. It's like the eye in the sky, basically. yeah. And then uh, you tie that into the eye of the individual. And I, I remember the moment, you know when when they meet outside of the uh, they're at like that club where she's, you know dancing and listening to the music. yeah, where he where he first meets her as an actual human. and they they share that moment and they just look into each other's eyes. And one thing I was always taught in school, we had to do exercises where we just stood in front of somebody and just stared into their eyes. And it's so vulnerable because the eyes hold so, like, I've always been told the eyes, I'm pretty sure this is like, uh, you know, a a well-known thing, but the eyes are the key to the soul. Yes. Well, you really get to know a
0: person through just looking into their eyes and and such, and you have a connection. It's it's a very personal connection that you have. You know, like when we talk to each other, we look at each other. We Mm -hmm. don't go, yeah, so Trevor, you know, like we're, we're not. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> so, hey, hey. why are you talking up to the ceiling, I'm, I'm down here.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what? What?
1: I'm up there. <laughs> but but no, that that moment at the end is is just absolutely beautiful because he gets to finally feel that that connection, that intimate connection with somebody and not just, you know, be watching over them or so close to them but can't actually feel them actually looking at him. Well, I love that at times they'll do a close up of Gantz trying to or uh
0: Damiel trying to touch Miriam's hand at you know, like and and he's pretending that he's actually there physically, but he has no physical form. And that loss of physicality, because a lot of connection is through physicality, and love actually stems also. You need to have a certain physicality and connection Mm -hmm. physically to someone you love and such. And he's missing that. And that's why I think that drives him to really decide, hey, I want to be human. I want to cast off my
1: immortal shackles, basically,
0: and live amongst
1: the humans. Yeah. And it, you bring up a great point about the physicality. You think when when we're when we're growing up as kids, what mm-hmm. do we do when we're like out somewhere? We hold our parents' hands. Right. Or, you know, we're scared. We, we hug our parents. Or, we, you know, yeah, we, it comforts you know, us. Yeah, yeah, it's a comfort, and that carries through our lives. A physical, mm-hmm. like you said, the physicality is such an important part about people that we care about and love. That's how we how we express it, not just through words, but through those actions.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, so <laughs> I know we have a lot to unravel in in Wings of Desire, but to not forget the American friend. Oh yeah, we can't forget. <laughs> we can't about forget the, the American, American friend. friend. Um, as far as the American friend goes, it's as we said. A buddy buddy comedy slash thriller and has Bruno Gantz again who who plays uh Jonathan and then is uh supported by Dennis Hopper, who plays one of the people who help him through he's the films. Wow. He's he's crazy, man. I, I it's one of like I haven't seen too many Dennis Hopper films, but this is like one of my favorites because most of the time that I've seen him in films, he's he always plays like a certain type of character, but this was very Mm -hmm. different for him. He plays Tom Ripley, uh, who's basically a wealthy American living in Hamburg, Germany. And Wenders introduces us to the whole underworld or the underground movement of hawking paintings. Yeah, art thievery pretty much. Basically art thievery, the art of the steel I was kind of reminded of, you know, in a way. Yeah. Uh So but and Jonathan, the main character who plays who's played by Bruno Gantz, you know, he's very much an antihero, you know, he and we but we feel for him because he's dying of a certain blood disease that he thinks he only has a limited amount of time to live. And what will he do with that time that he's been put on this earth for? I mean, he has Breaking a bad. kid. I know, literally, it, it it has a Breaking Bad type of feel. That was yeah, excellent. I mean Walt, Walt's yeah. going
1: through something else. We he's not a good person, but we care about him because it's yeah. like, oh man, he only <laughs> has a certain amount of time, and he's trying to. He sounds like he's trying to do good, but well, if you well, see Breaking Bad,
0: I mean Breaking Bad <laughs> basically took and just expanded on this theme, you know, yeah. And in a last ditch effort to you know provide for his family, Jonathan f- falls back into his old killing ways, and he has to become a hitman again which mm-hmm. I was it that kind of comes out of nowhere because when we were thinking oh it's going to be about stealing art and like it's going to be a heist type movie like Ocean's yeah, 11 yeah. or something and then it switches and it's like no we actually we're just going to throw the mafia in there and oh by <laughs> the way I'm French but I want you to kill this Italian mafia guy who's actually threatening my turf on a different you know plane and uh it, it's it's very convoluted at times but it in essence we feel for Jonathan's character because of his connection with his family he's also kind of a dick too to his wife because he just won't tell her anything and and literally is just hiding the fact that he has this disease and he's dying and but he's actually going out and killing people to satisfy some urge for and need that he needs to feel alive which I thought was really interesting for this particular type of character for Gantz to play It has a very noir feel to it, too, because of the style it was shot in. Again, they show Germany very much like a dystopian city. It's very grungy. Again, it's around, it's like the time of the Cold War and such. So again, Germany's still split in two. So you're seeing the effects of what Europe looked like at that time during 1977.
1: Yeah, I wanted to something you were saying about, you know, with his with with the disease he has and having a certain amount of time and wanting to feel like alive. Wings of Desire, it's very it they're both different films but in both Gantz has that 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 thing of wanting to feel alive. His mm-hmm. character, he wants to feel alive. Yeah. Different different premises in this one in Wings of Desire, but still that common theme of he wants to know, like, what? Even though he's alive in, you know, the American Friend, mm-hmm. he's not because he knows he's against the clock. And in Wings of Desire, there is no clock, but he wants a clock,
0: right? And it's it's Boom. like it's it's a it's like a flip of this particular film, yeah. yeah. In In this one, he he is mortal. He has he's he's living on borrowed time, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it just hap it so happens that he's thrown into this whole like adventure with Dennis Hopper's character, Tom Ripley. And it kind of reminded me also of, well, obviously it was a, definitely this film was a precursor to Blade Runner. Mm. It has a lot of elements. I see where Ridley Scott really pulled from certain themes and such, and also just stylistically how they shot Germany in this particular film. Yeah. Yeah is carried over to the look of Blade Runner in just how they show the city and how grungy and and decrepit it's become because of the influence from other powers and other nations and such.
1: And the train is a huge part of this movie. Oh, yeah. The train scenes. Oh, my gosh it's one of the most stylized fight train sequences i've ever seen <laughs> like
0: at times it feels like they're doing a theater play again where yeah. we're just going to overact when we strangle a guy and it, uh-huh. it, it it almost has a very disjointed realism to it because i never felt like i'm watching like realism a realistic you know action sequence here it it was very just stylized in a certain sense because they're just making it up
1: as they go. That's what it felt like. It was just improv which it felt yeah. like, you know? Yeah, and then you have the moment where they've strangled the guy. And taking them out. And the, and the ticket guy comes by. He's like, our tickets, please. And they're just keeping them in the, the, the back. And he's just like, hold them there. And he's like, uh, I think it's in your top right pocket. And he's like, oh. And he like slides it under the door. And the dude's like, that's not suspicious at all. Totally not. Totally, totally not suspicious. Yeah, you wouldn't just open the door and hand me your ticket. No, I'm just going to slide it under no, that's, the door. That's, that's, that's perfectly normal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And I, I, it's just, I, I like that they
0: kind of s- split the inevitable well actually they split the violence with some humor as well which i thought yeah. was it that made it feel very modern and lively and and really carried the story forward and such and really gave us a sense of who the characters are especially the relationship between Jonathan and Tom because at first mm-hmm. Jonathan literally just refuses outright to shake Tom's hand at the very beginning of the film and Basically, disses him for some reason. Tom is hopeful, like that relation. It almost has a weird, he like that. Tom's kind of drawn always to Jonathan, and they have this weird connection. And it just so happens they just respect each other as people and what they do for a living. You know, yeah, as hitman, like fellow hitman. So that respect carries over. It almost has the respect of almost two samurais meeting. And Ooh. you know, having that type of face-off, I, I love that. At, towards the end, they he like <laughs> just leaves them on the beach.
1: Oh, I know. He's like,
0: I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and Dennis is like, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with yeah. this. Like, but like, I hate oh. you. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> I'm just uh, uh and the emotions just uh, it's like a roller coaster ride of emotions yeah there's just so much <laughs> the, the going on throughout the the whole f- like you said it kind of starts out like oh this is going to be like an oceans type film yep. and then it just it's like no we're going to kill a lot of people
0: yeah and and b have some ultra violence in there and then they th- randomly throw in like tom's friend in new york who's this older <laughs> yeah. guy and oh by the way just so you guys know Wenders cast a ton of different directors in here for cameos. Gerard Blaine, Nicholas Ray from Walkabout, I think, Samuel Fuller is in it, too. And they all play the gangster roles, which is hysterical. I'm like, okay, And but Wenders shoots this film very much like Breathless and has a very French New Wave Mm, cinema mm -hmm, type feel mm -hmm. to it. Yes. It reminded me of Breathless. I mean, or like a Truffaut film. Now that you said that, now that you said
1: that, I I absolutely see it. I I absolutely see it. Just
0: in the editing style, the pacing, and also just how, well, A, the subject matter, and also the pacing, the cinematography has that fast cutting style that Truffaut was known for, as well as just showing violence with a certain flair to it. And it's very Mm. stylized. It's a certain style that yeah. came out of French oh, yeah. new wave and it carries I, I see wenders really influenced by that particular style in this film american friend was a adaptation from a unpublished manuscript by patricia highsmith that wenders adapted that was la- that was named ripley's game and also mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. used another one of her manuscripts or books uh, Ripley Underground, which also that was adapted into a film. It was, I think, an American adaptation of Ripley Underground. Mm-hmm. But Wenders did his version of Ripley's game. And similar, basically, the swindler hides the death of an artist in order to earn money by selling a picture on his own behalf. That's the premise of this of Ridley's or Ripley's game, not Ridley's Ripley's, mm-hmm. uh which I find it interesting. Ripley, aliens, you know. Ripley, aliens. You know. Okay, Ridley. No. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> it's all
1: connected. <laughs> I know a thing or two about aliens, Elliot. <laughs> oh yes, I know you do. <laughs> you, you've played <laughs> many of them. So,
0: <laughs> but Wenders really though made it his own, and he got a lot of critical acclaim for this particular film, and it allowed him to, you know, obviously keep making movies and such, and how he got onto Wings of Desire is 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 uh, pretty amazing because like coming from this particular film and then to go com- the complete opposite route—it's a
1: complete opposite of the spectrum, yeah, yeah.
0: Which every director wants that chance to you know really
1: shine and and spread their wings, sort of say. Uh, ah. See what I did there? <laughs> and I mean, we've seen that with every every director we've looked at so far. Yes. Looking at you know two very contrasting films, we've seen i would say each director we could pick out a film that's like this is their like staple like this is this is what people know them for or this is like their would be magnum opus is that the correct thing
0: yeah pretty much it's 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 their seminal work of art and yeah and wings of desire is that for wenders i believe because also the fact that the americans ended up making a adaptation of this film city of angels with nick cage and meg ryan <laughs> which that's right. which, which i remember that's when right. that came out and the trailer for that looked so schlocky i'm sorry i'm just i i i refuse <laughs> why to must watch we that mess from- up everything well why, why must that's the we? thing we? why must we and, and and it's it's pretty amazing that you know <laughs> they could butcher such a beautiful work of art, like Wings of Desire. It it really is a beautiful film because not only does it show a really, it, not only is it a cool a cool premise where you have an angel coming down to be human, you also see the effects of World War II. Even because mm-hmm. the the film that Peter Falk is shooting on, he's playing an older man during the Holocaust, and it's so trippy to see Nazis sitting down and having lunch between cut like between scenes with 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 the other holocaust members there uh the other like with jewish survivors and such and a couple of the older generation that they used and picked for the film were actual survivors of the holocaust oh really so wow and and the fact that they had some of that in there which was really cool and it's just it's a beautiful set too because it has this very underground there's so many layers to it yeah Yeah,
1: there's some beautiful shots of like looking down into it and almost like hell in a way
0: which i thought was really interesting because it almost reminded me of dante's the inferno where you have Mm -hmm. purgatory the waiting and then you have the initial act you know the different layers of purgatory right there and That's conveyed through how they built the set and such, because it's a multi-stage set and you have all these different layers and on different layers, different interactions are happening and you're seeing different scenes from possible, like from actual history or from the film being shot. It's like a film within a film in essence
1: yeah it was funny you mentioned that earlier you know it wasn't like a big blockbuster and i was going to mention that there's that there's the scenes where they're shooting the big blockbuster yeah. inside of the movie it's movieception or filmception as you you know <laughs> might want to call it a movie within a movie within a movie a movie within a movie <laughs> what, what was it anchorman 2 did that or something like that i don't even remember that movie a lot wild. of
0: movies have done that speaking um, of
1: wild, we have some wild movies coming up for the next episode after this one but oh. we'll get to that when we get to that but oh yes. geez Oh my goodness. Hold on to your, uh, <laughs> hold, hold on, on to your, <laughs> your, your, your pants. reels.
0: <laughs> hold on to your pants. <laughs> hold <laughs> on to your boots. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Man. But really, um, to get back to Wings of Desire, really, this is in essence, Wender's homage to Ozu, Truffaut, and even Andre Tarkovsky. If you guys have seen any of Tarkovsky's films, he did Solaris. He did, uh, Andrei Rubelov. And he's done, like a, again, a lot of art house indie films in Russia. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Wenders is pulling influence from Russia, France, and Japan makes this film a very... It has a very universal feel to it, not only yeah. in the multi-language aspect of it, but the fact that Wenders really draws upon all these directors and... Does makes it his his own really, but he's also referencing a lot of like just style shot wise. He 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 frames like Ozu, or at least alekin the cinematographer, frames like Ozu, which I, yeah. I see that influence in there. Just how they're portraying the very one dimensional set where you get a lot of sense of what the space is, and and
1: then the, just people live in it. Yeah, much. and and the camera's yeah.
0: not doing much; it's just static. It lets the scene breathe. The story unfolds before us. We're just viewers, in essence.
1: Yeah, and, and I love, I love what you said. You know that the film itself is is all about you know being worldwide with cultures, mm-hmm. religions, races, ethnic, ethnicities, right? But also. Vin Venders also with like you were saying with his his crew and his his style and his vision was taking from all these directors from all over the world, which we see today in in cinema here in the States, you know, all these and that's what we're trying to convey with these these episodes is that these directors that you may not know or may not have seen their films. A lot of these directors, the, the the directors you love, you know, your Scorsese's, your Spielberg's, uh, you know, all all those type of people, your Tarantino's, they took from these directors that came before. Are, uh, yeah, they came before from all over the world, from all different continents, all different religions, all different you know cultures, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's the beauty, different of, vision, different vision yeah, of the worlds of the worlds yeah, of the and, world. And it goes back to the whole thing we we talk about with with artists, right? artists steal from other artists Mm -hmm. that's just how it's always been and that's how it always will be but it's in a way the stealing is is a sign of respect because if you're taking something and applying it to your work that somebody else has done and they did it at a high level and you're bringing your own vision to it i think that's the highest compliment you could pay to an artist exactly and it's a sign of respect of what came before and it has Mm
0: -hmm. a sense that vim vendors has a sense of duty to the past and to the future
1: if you like this episode make sure to follow us on social media at film detectives for further news and upcoming shows join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world